That's a great song. Thank you. Glad you all are here tonight with us and here to worship tonight. And uh, one thing before we get started this evening, today was a great day in so many ways. Sundays are. I always look forward to them. Maybe I'll become a preacher someday. I like Sundays so much. But uh, in two weeks is, uh, somebody said they hope I become one, something. So, <laughs> someday. In two weeks is Easter. Can you believe it is that close? Two Sundays from now, first Sunday of April. And on that Sunday, what we're trying to do, now we're working toward this. There's weather and there's other things to deal with. But on Sunday morning is to have a service outside on that day. Just a one, one service on that day and have it right out here under the trees. It should be cool enough still this time of year. Got to think about some logistics so we don't want some of you to sit in your chairs and go all the way down to the ground, which could happen. So it depends a little bit on how dry it is out there. But we'll bring lawn chairs and other chairs, and it could be a wonderful time that we can all get together in a, in a way that folks will feel safe, in a way that we can worship God and give him praise. And so that's just in a couple of weeks. And so we're working toward that. Now tonight we're talking about Nehemiah again and talking about withstanding criticism. Now you remember that Nehemiah is the cupbearer for a foreign king that had, was oppressing Israel, had taken them captive, and now Nehemiah has gotten the king's favor to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls of the city and rebuild that city. And it must have been exciting in so many ways, but it's scary and it's horribly sad to go home and see how awful it is because this city that is not just his hometown is also the city of God and it's crumbled. It's fallen apart. It would be like when you watch those fixer-up shows and they go sometimes and look at houses and, and I've we saw one not long ago. Someone had this old house, had been their grandparents or something, gone through Katrina. And they said, there's really not any way to save this house but to just tear it down and start over. It would be so expensive to do what they wanted to do. Well, here you have Nehemiah doing what he believes God wants him to do to rebuild the walls and rebuild the city of Jerusalem. But everyone is not excited. There's that old guy, Sanballat and Tobiah, that aren't very excited about it at all. And so they are going to give their opinion to Nehemiah and to the Jews that are rebuilding that city, not just once, and they're not just sending an email saying, I, we want you to know that we disagree with this. They are going to say it over and over and over. So we pick up tonight in Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. When Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He's not a Jew, incidentally. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. Wow, that's tough, isn't it? Don't you like the way that, that uh, Sanballat does this? You would think he wasn't an, an ancient speaking thousands of years ago. You would think that he was speaking today. All he does is just ask a series of questions. But when you ask certain questions in a certain tone, everyone gets it. You're not asking questions, right? 
And he's not asking questions. He's there to criticize and to ridicule. Well, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that ridicule discourages. Ridicule tears people down. Criticism can be hard to take. I think about what the old comedian Steve Martin said about criticism. He said, before you criticize a man, walk a mile in his shoes. That way, when you do criticize him, you'll be a mile away and you'll have his shoes. <laughs> That's pretty good, right? But criticism, ridicule, hurts. He criticized them physically and mentally. You remember this maybe out on the playground when you were a kid? Maybe at work, maybe in the neighborhood, maybe from a spouse or from a parent. You're so weak, you can't do anything. You don't have any muscles. You can't do that. You don't, you, what do you, who do you think you are? Criticizing him, them physically. There's no way they could do it. After all, look at you. Criticize them mentally for what they want to do. You're not very bright. You're dumb. You'll never. You know those stories, don't you? Sometimes those words, even today, if you heard those things at some point in life, they may even hurt tonight when you hear those words. <coughs> Because you know what it's like to be criticized. So here's Sanballat and Tobiah sit out and tell the Jews who want to rebuild the walls and do what God wants that they're not worth very much. And so Sanballat starts off criticizing. And now Tobiah does because you see one criticizer produces another. Have you ever noticed that before? That one can produce another. He criticizes their quality of work. A fox could jump on that and knock it down. So when one person starts complaining, sometimes the whole room starts complaining, right? When one kid makes fun of another kid, then all the kids sometimes make fun of that kid. And it can hurt and be painful. And surely Nehemiah knew what that felt like because he got that from Sanballat and Tobiah and from others. So why did they criticize well, there's so many reasons we could guess, and some of this is speculation, but it may be that what's happening is that they're threatened by change. They don't want Israel to be strong again. They don't want Jerusalem to be a, a good, strong city. They don't want that. It may even be that Sanballat and Tobiah feel bad about themselves. It could be that Sanballat and Tobiah are the ones who don't feel very strong. It could be that they're threatened because they think they wouldn't be strong enough to stand up to Israel if Israel was fortified. It could be that they think that they're not very bright, and so they don't like it when other people are. You know what happens? Sometimes hurt people hurt other people, right? Usually the person who is self-confident doesn't need to put someone else down. But the person who questions their own value, maybe because of something that's been said to them or maybe just the way they feel about themselves, often they're the ones that criticize the work of other people. So in Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, it says, But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. Well, let's stop there for a moment. Do you see what has just happened? We go from 
Sanballat being upset and Tobiah being upset. Now it's the Arabs and the Ammonites and the people of Ashdod who now are all upset because you have the criticizer in Sanballat. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem to stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and we posted a guard day and night to meet the threat. Our culture is set up for criticism. Culture, I guess you might say, in a way, has always been set up for criticism. But you know what makes a good radio program, for example? <clears throat> I like to listen to a lot of talk radio. It doesn't matter what you're listening to. If you're listening to politics, you're listening to sports, whatever, there is going to be two people, at least, point and counterpoint, right? There are always, that's what makes the discussion. But if it just stays in a friendly discussion, there's nothing wrong with that. That's good. You hear two different viewpoints. You learn one thing, and, and maybe you learn something else. Maybe you don't change your view completely, but you go, you know what? That makes me think a little bit differently now. But when we start name-calling, and when we start criticizing in a way that does not build up, but in a way that hurts, and when we don't really care about the final outcome or what's right, all we care about is that we get our way. We move into, air, into an area that is deeply critical and, and, and anti-God. Our culture is set up for criticism. And now when you think as fun as platforms like Facebook can be, you remember what we used to talk about when Facebook started back 10 years ago or whenever it was? You remember what we used to always joke about? It was about people who would say, had a bologna sandwich for lunch. Do you remember that? It was always, ate this for lunch. Wow, I took a nap for 15 minutes. And you know, it was about nothing. But boy, has that changed. Not that we don't, it's not wrong to share our opinions, but it is wrong to just continually dig and dig and dig. And so what Nehemiah does is he says, keep praying and working. Keep praying and working. So when they criticized and said that they were going to fight against Israel and stir up trouble against them, the last line of that passage in verse 9 was, but we prayed to our God and we posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. So when there is a threat, it's not that you just let them run in and, and overtake you, but you post a guard. And do you know the purpose of the guard? was so that the people could keep laying rocks on the wall to build the wall. That was the purpose. So they pray and they keep working even though there's been criticism. You know what I want to do when I'm criticized sometimes is quit. Just quit. Just stop. It's over. It's done. I can remember when I was a little boy, we lived, we lived two or three houses from a family that went to church with us. And we were in the middle of VBS. It was like Wednesday night, and it went Sunday night through Friday night. And I remember the, and we had an adult class. It was very vibrant in a small town. Everybody comes out. And the teacher was the man who lived two houses away. And I still remember sitting in the living room, and the man comes to the door. He knocks on the door, and my dad says, Come in, Floyd. And he walks in the door, and he handed my dad the curriculum like that and said, I quit, and walked out the door. And my dad was like, Whoa, 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 whoa. What just happened? He had been criticized. Somebody didn't like his class and quit. Well, that all ended up all right. I don't know what they did if they slipped him a $50 bill or what, but something happened, and Floyd continued on and finished out VBS. 
but how easy it is to quit. So then in Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 12, since then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Do you see who says this? The Jews who live near them. Sometimes even our own people will be discouraged and they will discourage. So you would have thought that the Jews living there or near there would have been really excited about Jerusalem being rebuilt. Now they're going to be able to have the temple again and be able to sacrifice and maybe they can even live in the city and surely economically it's going to be wonderful to have a city like Jerusalem there because they'll be able to make to trade and barter and economically it's wonderful. But instead, do you see what they say? We can't do it. Those people are coming. Now it's not just Sanballat who criticizes. It's not just Sanballat who tells them how bad they are. Then it's Tobiah and then it's the Arabs and the Syrians and all the others who say we're going to plot against you. And now it's your own people. So it starts out it's the world that looks at us and criticizes us. And finally it creeps into the church. And finally it's our own people who are so discouraged who say we can't do it. Well, praise God that Nehemiah wasn't the kind of man who said we can't do it, but instead Nehemiah was a man who said, you better believe we're going to do it. By the power of God, we're going to do it. And in Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 14 through 15, it says, after I looked things over, this is Nehemiah speaking, after I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each, each to our own work. Do you hear what he said? Do not be afraid. This is a time, he's saying, this is the time to fight for your families. This is the time to fight for Jerusalem. This is the time to fight for our future. This is the time to fight for God. Do not give in. When the people of God become afraid, there is no hope. How often do we talk about that the people of God are the arms and legs of God? We're the ones to carry the Great Commission to go and and help people who are sick, to go into the community and give to the poor. But when the people of God aren't helping the poor and the people of God aren't helping the sick and the people of God aren't evangelizing, the world goes down the tubes. Because when the people of God get so afraid and the people of God get so, so far back in the corner that they can't get out, the church dies. And God's name once that was prominent in a place becomes a whisper and finally it is hushed out by secularism or Islam or whatever else comes down the pike. That God's people are the people to stand up and to do what's right, even in the face of what is difficult. Even in the face of an enemy, God's people says we will fight. Afraid? Think Nehemiah might have been afraid? Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Yes, but there is work to do. Heard a guy on the radio just yesterday, or not yesterday, but just a week ago or three or four days ago. 
I was listening. You all probably don't even know about this. You don't need to know about all these things. But, but there is, there's some really difficult things happening in the, in the country of Miramar. There was a coup. The military took over the democracy. And so now the people are in the streets there. And if you have your lights on, for example, they'll come and take you off to prison or kill you or whatever. But people are all turning on their lights saying that we are opposed to this military coup and they're trying to stand up. And they're, so they're interviewing people on the BBC about what they're doing and, and, and how they're trying to stand up against this. And so they said to, to one of the people, it was just a, a man who... Uh, um, a journalist who they told him not to write anymore, and he said, I'm still going to write. And they said to him, the, the person from the BBC said to him, are you afraid? He said, well, yes, but there's work to do, so I will keep working. Wow, that's powerful, isn't it? Do you understand that? You know, the old, the old um, General George Patton said, courage is fear that has said its prayers. Courage is fear that said its prayers. So whenever I'm in a dark place and whenever I've been criticized for, what's, for what maybe I have done not wrong, if, if what I've done is wrong, then certainly I need, to be, I need to make a change. But if I've been criticized for standing for what is right, if I've been criticized for sharing my faith or criticized for living a Christian life or whatever it may be, well, how do I overcome that? What is my source for overcoming criticism like that? I pray your source is God. I pray it's God. I pray it's not that you say, I'm just going to give up. And I pray it's not, you know what, I can find that in whatever. A lot of people, their source, they think, is not a source for overcoming, but instead their source is just to dull things. They go to a bottle or they go to, to, to pills or whatever it is, and I'm just going to dull it all. But the source for overcoming is not to dull it all. The source for overcoming is God himself. There was an old missionary by the name of Amy Carmichael. Some of you may have read her books. You know of the work of, for example, of Mother Teresa in, in India. She was the equivalent of that, not a Catholic, but the equivalent of that before her. She spent 55 years in India without ever going back home uh, to, to England. 55 years. Opened an orphanage, did lots of writing, did all kinds of things. Had an incredibly strong faith. She wrote, this isn't on your screen, but she wrote, If God can make his birds to whistle in a drenched and stormy darkness... If God can make his butterflies able to bear up under rain, what can, he, what can he not do for the heart that trusts him? If the birds can survive the storm, if the butterflies can survive the rain, what can a heart do that trusts God? That's who I want to be. I want to be the person that says, I trust God and follow God and live for God no matter what comes. Whether it's criticism from the outside or criticism from the inside, that I will stand for God. I will not give up. 
Sometimes people criticize what we do because they don't want to do the work themselves and they feel guilty when we are. Do you know that? Sometimes I say to Barbara, hey, don't vacuum because I don't want to. So I tell her not to, right? I want God to be our source. I want God to be the one that we live for, we work for, we serve, we honor, we praise, we worship. It's God. And when we put that kind of focus on him and we pray and we absorb our, get absorbed in Scripture like we talked about last Sunday and we spend time praising God like we are tonight and through that, especially that last powerful song, it gives me the feeling and the desire to not turn back but to follow whatever comes. Maybe tonight you're ready to be baptized into Christ. You can do that tonight. Maybe you need prayer for resolve or prayer for forgiveness or whatever it is. You can come forward. You can write to us at elders at mcoc.org. But we want to resolve to make God the one that helps us overcome. Come tonight as we stand and sing.